millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Personal Best Podcast with me, Ruby Lola. My guest today is Zander Konobier. He is a female transformation coach, and he helps all types of women achieve their health and fitness goals. In this conversation, we talk about why Zander coaches women for a living, where women are going wrong with their fitness journeys, the most important factors for fat loss, how to build unbreakable confidence inside and outside the gym, and how to push yourself past your own limits. I think this is such a great conversation for any women out there who train in the gym or anybody starting out on a fitness journey, but they don't really know where to begin. I will just say this is the first episode I ever recorded and I didn't have a microphone, so hopefully the audio quality is a bit better moving forward. But anyway, I really hope you enjoy this conversation. So let's get on with the episode. Welcome to the Personal Best podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You are a female transformation coach. And before we dive into the topic of women's fitness, I wondered if you could just explain your background. How did you become a female coach for a living? Sure. So um, it's quite a convoluted route, actually. Um, And it's a very, very long story. Story, so I'll do my best to condense it. Um, but essentially, um, growing up, I always wanted to be a professional rugby player. Um, I got caps at 16 to play for England. And I got academy contracts. So I was, I was very much on my way there. Um, but three days before my 18th birthday, I ruptured pretty much every ligament in my knee. Um, and I split my two shin bones, basically. And my femur went between them. So it was a complete mess. Um, anyway, so <laughs> longer the short of it is, uh, I did the, got an operation done very, very quickly, got back on the pitch 10 months later. Um, I got 15 minutes into the game. I was playing in a game against Cardiff and I remember thinking to myself, I stood at the back of the pitch just for a, a split second and I thought, I'm back. Like I've done the rehab. I've worked hard. And I just had that, you know, pure gratitude feeling that you get. Got a ball chipped over somebody's head, got tackled, and then ruptured my knee again. Um, so anyway, I I then realised that this was maybe not going to be such a quick fix. Um, fortunately, my parents had always been very hot on like education. I just wanted to play rugby. I couldn't have given a crap about education, to be honest. <laughs> um, but anyway, in the end, I got the grades to go to Exeter. So I, 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 I said, right, you know, my knee isn't getting fixed. I'm not getting a, a full contract at this rate. Um 
So I need to find a different route. So I thought, right, well, what's the least painful thing for me to go and do? So I signed up to do sports science at Exeter, um, got accepted, got in, went there, had my third operation. Then literally, as I started my degree, um, I hated university. Like if people follow me on Instagram, they probably see like a lot of the science that goes on behind what I do. But I hated it. Um, I felt stupid all the way through my degree. Um, it was a real punishment for me, to be honest with you. And um Anyway, in my first year, once I had that third surgery, um, I struggled really badly with depression. So I hadn't realized it because, you know, we're talking about 10 years ago now and depression in men was, I mean, even now it's, 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 it's progressive. It's fantastic in that way. But, um, I'd struggled. Um, I got to such a point where, um, I, I, I had, I had an incident, uh, which I won't go into in too much detail, but it was bad. And I thought that was kind of my only way out, to be honest. Um, and fortunately I'm still here clearly. Um, but I then kind of had a real wake up call at that moment. And I just thought, I, I don't know what I feel right now, but I don't want anyone else to feel even close to how I feel. Uh, um, and I just thought I need to do something to prevent that in somebody else. Cause it was so scary because it really blindsided me. And, and it was very much like anybody who knows me knows I work very much on problem solving and logic. So for me, I solved my own problem and it was completely logical. So the scary thing with it was that it made total sense with what I was doing. And that's why I thought, right, I, I need to help someone. Anyway, a few months had passed and um, I'd not really done a huge amount, to be honest. Um, and I remember walking out of my university room and I had my birthday suit on because I just got out of the shower. Um, and I had been this professional rugby player, had a fantastic physique, you know, very muscular, very lean. And I walked out of the shower and I remember looking at myself and I just like, out loud just said, what the fuck have you done? Am I allowed to swear on this? Sorry. I don't yeah. know if I can swear on your podcast. Um, <laughs> I just literally out loud was just like, what the fuck have you done to yourself? And, and I literally had abused my own body and mind with like alcohol and pizzas and nothing wrong with pizza, by the way, just the amount I was eating was not an acceptable amount of pizza, just like getting takeaways and stuff every night. And, and I hadn't really realized it, but all of this kind of culminated and, that night I just went, I've, I've had enough of this. this. Isn't who I am. Like, this is it. That's it. So the next day I got my crutches because I was, I was literally been on crutches for like 20 weeks at this point post my third surgery. And I was like, I'm going to the gym. I walked down to the gym on my crutches. I signed every waiver under the sun. And I, I said, just let me train. I don't care what responsibility I need. I need to get back in the gym. Um, interestingly during my rugby career, I hated the gym. So <laughs> it's like completely mental. Um, but anyway, I just started training and then like my friends started coming with me. Like, can you show us what you're doing? We want to kind of join in. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but sure, come along. Um, and I started coaching them. And then one of them was like, Hey, you, you should do a course. And I was like, nah, I, I don't want to do that. Anyway, I was stuck at university for the summer and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll do, I'll do the course. Fine. Um, so I got my PT level two and three. Um, I was actually, so I was at university, I was doing my level two and three and I was running two jobs at the same time, trying to get me through university. Um, and then I started training in a gym and why I guess that answers the question of how I got into, um, doing this. The reason I started working with women, um, was slightly different. Um, I worked at university gym, loads of female clients. Um, and I obviously come from a very athletic background and a lot of the women I worked with had such low self-esteem for the lifting that they were doing and, and very much kind of the typical societal norms of female fitness. I just like to go on the treadmill. And I was like, no, 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 no. Almost like a complete ignorance to why they would want to do that. I was like, we don't need the treadmill. That's not going to get you to where you want to be. Not really thinking at the time, like of societal norms or 
social pressures or anything. We're talking like 10 years ago for me now. I was just like, no, like we need to go lift weights. If you want a bigger set of glutes, we need to go lift weights. And they were like, no, I need, I need to do kickbacks on the treadmill. I was like, no. Um, anyway, that's kind of how it started. It's obviously developed a lot since then. But um, like I said, a convoluted answer, but hopefully that, that answers the question. Yeah, 100%. I think that's quite amazing that you went from, you know, almost playing rugby professionally to then coaching women and helping them through their fitness journey. And I think it's interesting what you're saying about how women have these misconceptions about how to train in the gym. I think it's changed a lot. um, And there's a lot of people that have had a really positive influence in that industry. But I still see it all the time where you've got Mm. all the men in the weight section and all the women in the like treadmill and cross trainer section. And so I think that's really great that you're reteaching these important lessons of how to kind of make progress in the gym. So leading on from that, uh, your mission statement, if I can call it that, uh, says you help female gym goers get lean, gain muscle and build their dream physique without food guilt. How? Because that is a lot to achieve. What's your approach to coaching to help people achieve that? It's a really good question. Um, And if I'm honest, like that doesn't really, it doesn't really tell the story of what we do. Um, But it's very difficult to tell the story of what you do to someone who doesn't think they need that help. So the, the mission statement is very much set up there to capture people who think, oh, I would like to be leaner or oh, I'd like to grow a bit of muscle. And and I've never achieved my dream physique. So do you know what? Like this guy seems like he knows what he's doing. But the honest truth of it's so much more complicated than that. Um, we work with a lot of women on their food relationship. We work a lot of people on their relationship relationships, because obviously confidence isn't just about walking out and wearing what you want to wear or going into a space in the gym confidence can impact your relationship it can relation it can it can impact your relationship with yourself and you might think actually I'm in a relationship that's really quite toxic for me this isn't good enough and it's not what I want but if you struggle with very low self-esteem that's not something you know until you address that um and so what we do is very very um multifaceted but it stems from all the clients I've ever had have always come to me thinking the thing that will fix them problem is their body. So people are, I will be happier when I can fit into this dress again. I'll be happier if I'm more confident with a bigger bum or I had some gnarly shoulders. The truth is that's not the case. Um, But you can't, you know, if I put into my, um, in my bio on Instagram and I said, I help women who are incredibly unconfident, who struggle with their relationship with food, struggle with their relationship with themselves to feel better. Everyone will be like, I don't struggle with any of those things. So that's irrelevant. The truth is, I think. Sorry, it's almost a deeper rooted thing. And I think often when people have these weight loss goals, these fat loss goals, they're almost proxy goals for something else. But I understand that people aren't going to come to you and say, actually, I don't think my husband finds me attractive anymore. So I really want to work on myself and improve my body confidence. You know, it's going to be, I need to lose two stone. And you always have to kind of dig deeper to find out what that root cause is for why someone wants to go through that fitness journey. 100%. And that's why um, I find that parts of my job are really difficult because sometimes you have to have that really challenging conversation with someone. and, And I've had them with multiple people where they've gone very wrong in the original sense, because 
sometimes you can spot a problem with someone and, and you might address that in the best way you feel possible. You might say, look, I think actually your motives for this goal aren't necessarily clear. And you could be on a call with them and they would say, no, they are absolutely clear. I just want to lose fat. And I'm like, look, I think if you don't mind me saying my perspective on this is that maybe there's something else going on that's driving this motivation, which is why we're struggling to stick to the plan. Let's work together and try and figure out that is it's just fat loss. And it's like, okay, all right. Like this isn't a conversation we can broach right now because you aren't necessarily willing to take that, um, that conversation on because it may mean addressing certain insecurities. Um, and I understand that, you know, I've done years of therapy myself. And so, willing to address those things means you have to unlock Pandora's box. And that's a scary thing to do because you have no idea where that's going to take you. So um, yeah, it's definitely a case of of addressing all those things. But I think to answer your question with how, the thing we focus on is training intensity. If you want to build confidence and an unbreakable kind of knowledge and um, I guess confidence is the right word, actually, that you can go and achieve something, a barbell or a dumbbell or a machine is a hell of a good way of doing that because a lot of the women who come to us say, oh, you know, I can, I can hit thrust 50 kilos. And like, in my mind, I think we should make that 150 kilos. So they're like, I can't do that. I'm like, but you will be able to do that. And even now you can probably do 80 kilos. You just haven't tried. And they're like, oh, I have tried. I'm like, but how hard have you tried? And because they're kind of restrained by what they think they can lift, not what they can actually lift. So immediately, if, if I say to someone, look, I've seen the video that looks like a warm up. Like we are way stronger than that. Stick 80 kilos on the bar for me next week, record it and I'll have another look. All of a sudden they're like, holy shit, I just did 80 kilos. And then the whole world of possibilities opens up of like, what else can I achieve? Like, and you keep going all of a sudden, these people want promotions at work. They want pay rises. They want more for themselves because they're like, if I've just been cutting everything short, what more can I have? Like, I deserve this now. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's honestly, um, it's the best job in the world. Um, because when you see those things start tumbling and those like self-proclaimed barriers start just rolling over and they're like, I'm just going to leave my job. I'm going to go traveling. Go for you. Go for it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I think I, I, that's why I'm personally such an advocate for fitness. And I choose to strength train in the gym. I do a bit of running, but mainly I'm strength training. And I could just preach about it till the cows come home. Like if you can wake up and you do something hard in the morning and then you go to your nine to five or whatever it is you've got to do that day and then you're faced with something else that's difficult you know the hardest part of your day is done that you've tackled that so you can tackle this really tricky menial like work task that you've got to do and I think just going back to what we were talking before about people having these wider goals it's almost like once you've achieved your fitness goals in hindsight you can see how that's impacted your life in so many other positive ways absolutely yeah I'm, I'm more confident I'm more outgoing I'm more driven I'm more motivated um and yeah I, I think that must be so rewarding for you as a coach to see all of that it is do you know what it is actually it's um sometimes it's sad um because you see how trapped people get and specifically women like I work pretty much solely with women specifically trapped by their own barriers And like, sometimes I have conversations with people who've had like, we work with a lot of people who've had past coaching experiences that were very negative. So I often have calls where I am actually left like, this just shouldn't be a thing. Like, why is this person still a coach kind of thing? Um, And sometimes it can be sad because I think you have this belief system that's so restrictive to what you are actually capable of. 
And sometimes when you get messages off people and they're really heartfelt messages and, and that should be a really happy moment, you think, I'm really pleased for you. But similarly, I'm sad that it's taken you seven years of this to get to this point. Like, why could this not have happened a little earlier? But you have to be grateful that they've got there. Um, but sometimes it is sad because, like you said, like there are so many m- amazing things, like far more than just lifting barbells and growing a bigger pair of glutes. Like, don't get me wrong. They're both great things. But the actual impact that has for your life, your relationship, your job, your your fulfillment as a person is just is until you've done it. I think it's hard to believe the impact they really can have. Just leading on from that, then, where are women going wrong when trying to achieve their fitness goals. You know, I understand that every client that comes to you has probably been through their own journey. Everybody's got their own experiences. But from your experience, what are the most commonly misheld beliefs when it comes to, let's say, fat loss or muscle building or toning up, as people like to call it? Sure, sure. Um, That's a really good question. I would say, this is a bit, left but i'll i'll go with it i think the problem is that too many people are saying things like in black and white so i'm running a store i'm a series at the moment on instagram which is um things instagram doesn't tell you about fat loss or dieting right and my aim is to just draw the gray area between these black and white things because when you draw black and white statements and that's the only way people tend to get seen on instagram make a statement that's bold shout about it and People will be like, oh, my God, that's so true. But anyone who knows anything is like, it's just not that easy. So one of the interesting things I find is like when people say, oh, you shouldn't do loads of cardio. And I think to myself, do you know what? If that is what gets you into the gym to start with and that's the inspiration, brilliant. Go do all the cardio you like because eventually that cardio person becomes a weights training person. That weights training person becomes someone who does a bit of cardio, a bit of weights training. It feels amazing. I think one of the issues is that it's the getting started part that people trip over the most. It's like, oh, I shouldn't go and do loads of cardio. I don't want to lift weights because that's going to make me bulky. And all of a sudden you have this like huge paralysis of, I don't know which is the best way to go. So I think one of the the, the best things to do is like, if you're listening to this and you haven't yet started your fitness journey, do it in whichever damn way you want. Attend a yoga class, attend a spin class, do whatever you feel best. You will be guided by the things you love doing and that fundamentally should be the be all and end all like I don't know about how you started specifically your fitness journey but a lot of the ladies I worked with started with like a spin class or like a legs bums and tums or something like that and eventually we 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 make different decisions so I think that would be the first thing I would say me and a friend I mean this is years ago we were 14 15 but we used to go to the gym and we'd try and burn 100 calories on every machine because 100 calories was a Kit Kat. So we sure. do 100 calories on a treadmill, 100 calories on the rower, 100 calories on the crossfitter. And then we'd leave and we'd be like, oh, we can have like three chocolate bars now. Oh. And you know, I was a kid, so it didn't matter. You're literally made of rubber at that age. But yeah. I think looking back now, I had no idea what I was doing. But I'm so grateful that I stepped foot in that gym. Because yeah. if I waited until I was 22, as, as I am now you know, it would still take me a lot longer to get to where I wanted to be. Um, So yeah, I think that's really interesting what you're saying. And I find it fascinating that we now live in this digital age where we're exposed to so much information, which is amazing on the one hand. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, you have so much conflicting 
advice that I think it can be really difficult for people to even start. You know, it's should I intermittent fast? Should I follow the glucose method? Should I do keto? You know, and that must be difficult when people are coming to you and they they don't even know where to begin. Yeah. You know, how do you kind of simplify it down for people and start with the basics? That is exactly exactly what you do. So um I, I'm very boring because I sit in the gray at all levels. Like if you scroll back all the way from when I started Instagram, you will never see me on either side of a scale. So you won't see me someone who's done keto. You won't see me as someone who's done like intermittent fasting as a I am someone who like I don't attach myself to any value of systems that that work. Similarly, you know, there's been a thing at the moment where back squats are just as good for growing your glutes as hip thrusts. And everyone's like, oh, my God, like new study. And I'm like, if you use your brains in the first place to not just be like back squats don't work or hip thrusts are the best thing. And you just said, actually, what if we did both of them and we do them equally? What actually happens is you live in an area in the middle, which means you are so much less vulnerable to these biases of studies or to people's opinions. And it's a boring way to live because people are like, oh, what's your opinion on this? I'm like, ah, I don't really have it. Might work, might not depends on the person and they're like depends on what person I'm like it's just not that easy so the thing I, I think is is the most important to do is to help people back to the middle um I have clients who do um like intermittent fasting Monday to Friday and then they enjoy the weekends as they please because a lot of the problem with things like intermittent fasting is that people find they have to do it all the time same thing with like veganism or plant-based um I have clients who are like oh I really love a steak every now and then, but I can't have one anymore because I'm vegan. And I kind of say to them, look, I appreciate what you're doing. However, why are you doing it? It's like, well, I'm doing it for what I believe to be an environmental fact. Okay, so if you've cut out 99 of your meat related meals, one meal pertaining to meat isn't making you a bad person because you've already committed to the 99 other times. So I think it's about having a lot of gray. It's not about being like, I'm a vegan. It's like, you're a person. You're not a vegan. You're a person. And therefore, you can make the decision to say, right, I'm actually going to eat a plant-based diet. And every so often, I will have some meat. And you'll always get some like jackass people who are like, hey, you're a vegan. You're eating meat. It's like, look, this isn't something I've arrested myself to. You know, it's not like I wear a chastity belt to meet around the place. But, and it's having choice. Like it's teaching people to have choice. That's the most difficult thing because nobody wants moderation. Everyone wants, should I just never eat this again? No, just eat it in moderation. Oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You're an adult. Let's just practice. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, they come to you for like a, a, a black or white answer. And I find the best way to help someone is to establish what would work best for them and then try and push them towards that. And if they say, hey, this is working really well, cool, let's, leave you there great and if not push them towards something else and see if that works but the thing is with the human brain we want something that fixes straight away um and that's the thing i tend to work hardest to remove and say right let's not look at what works quickly because if that had worked you would have been looking phenomenal six years ago when you first started so let's just pretend for one minute that that what we're going to do is going to take longer but it will work and then people are like yeah i kind of get your point i've been trying this for years um so I think that's probably the difficult thing. It's not living in black and white, but living in the middle. Yeah. And I guess for you as a coach, it's about having that personalized approach. There's a American fitness instructor that me and mum, we used to be a big fan of because he did um, this show 
called obesity to save my life and he would take these clients and they'd lose crazy amounts of weight basically to get their health back but his whole approach is one size fits one rather than one size fits all and I really Absolutely. really like that because you know you can take two people and put them on the same exercise program and give them the same diet but they're not going to enjoy the exact same thing someone might find it easy someone might find it difficult and I guess that's where your coaching comes in where you kind of have that ongoing conversation with your clients and the feedback of okay is this working is this not Um, absolutely so I have been stalking your Instagram (laughs) sorry not sorry Um, (laughs) and I just wanted to pull out a few things that I've read and I'm hoping that we could discuss them because I think go for it I really like your content I think it's great it's informative but you only get so much from a little Instagram reel so I hope we can kind of discuss this in in more detail. So one of the posts that you did was a infographic of a fat loss pyramid mm-hmm. um, of things that you need to hit your goal. And I thought it was interesting because a couple of things surprised me. Um, so from most important to least important, mm-hmm. it was consistently hit your fat loss calories, then training and step count consistency then rest and recovery, hydration, macronutrients, cardio, meal timing, and supplements. Um, The one that really intrigued me was that cardio was the third least important thing when Mm -hmm. trying to hit your fat loss goals. I wonder if you could just explain that, talk us through that pyramid. um, Sure. Um, I don't have it in front of me, so I'll do my best to remember exactly what I put. But (laughs) essentially... It, the thing that a lot of people get wrong is they look at the thing they think is most important. They don't look at the thing they actually can do most consistently to affect their goals. So that's the first point. The second point is to remember that you are not a physique competitor or bodybuilder. And therefore, what we look at is a very different lifestyle for our clients. And so for a lot of the ladies that I work with, if I said to them, look, it's really imperative that you hit your cardio and these four sessions, they think they're going to reply and say, where the hell do you expect me to find an extra four times 30 minutes per week? If you can find that for me, crack on and I'll I'll do your cardio. But if you can't, that's not something I can do. So we have to look at it as as a stage of being like, is that something I can really ask somebody to do? And for me, I think to myself, if I'm asking someone to do cardio, I have exhausted every other option. So I'm very much down the line of consistency is the most important thing. For most people, you just aren't consistent enough. If you consistently hit your your calorie target, irrelevant of macros, you will lose weight for a considerable amount of time, probably like a good 10 weeks, let's say. If you do your training on top of that, your training will dictate the, the shape that you get, right? So millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We're not really looking at training as a calorie burner. We're looking at as a shaper. So if you're thinking, what's the point in training if I can't grow muscle in the diet? Well, A, you probably can grow some muscle in the diet. And B most people most people's fat loss goals evolve around them looking a certain way not weighing a certain number they focus on the weight on the scales as a metric of progress but the thing they actually want is the body they want the ability to look a certain way so we have to be uh clever with how you view that now that's important obviously because most people want shape if you just lost a load of weight and you had no glutes or shoulders for example you'd be disappointed maybe um in terms of cardio being that far up, like if you do your steps, if you do your nutrition, if you do your hydration, you sleep well. Hydration and sleep will manage your hunger signals really nicely. So if you don't do those things, the chances are you're going to overeat. And that's where you're going to need some cardio because you're going to need a bigger deficit created from that uh, that level. So the way I look at it is that if you're a physique competitor, you want to compete, you're probably going to need some cardio, like hands down, unless you want to eat a thousand calories, which would be a terrible life choice you're going to need cardio for everyone that I work for. And probably most people listening to this, you just don't need it. If you love cardio, by all means do it, but most people don't have time. So don't see it as something that's important because it probably isn't. Yeah. hundred percent. And I guess as well, like you were mentioning earlier, not, you know, people are time poor, people have busy lives. And I think it's difficult when a lot of the fitness influencers that you follow online, their job is to create fitness content. So they can yeah. be in the gym for eight hours a day and it's fine and those are the people that are saying no excuses get up at 5am on you know a Monday yeah. but when you've got to do the school run and you've got to then go to work and then do a big food shop and then cook dinner for your kids, you know it's it's not easy so I guess what you're saying is it's about sticking to the important things and making sure that you're consistent with them before worrying yeah. about, about the the micro things so something else you don't need to eat sweets and chocolate every day in a diet phase, I'm guessing. <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah, great. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so this this is an interesting one. Like this is a bugbear for me. And it's a it's it, it's a very fine line between annoying a lot of people. Um, but it is a harsh truth because again, loads of people are like you should eat chocolate every day, you should have sweets every day, and like you're looking at these individuals and you think you're good for you because you have 2000 calories because you are an influencer, for example, who does 20,000 steps a day because you're always filming stuff, moving around, you're um, in the gym, you've got time for cardio. So you have 2000 calories a day, which you can add chocolate to, and it makes subtle difference and you can lose lots of weight, which is wonderful. I'm really pleased for you. Don't get me wrong. Like if you could do that, great. But when you've got somebody on 1400 calories who's trying really hard just to finish their diet and you're telling them you should have chocolate every day and they're like right okay well i'll put 200 calories of chocolate in 1200 calories for the rest of the day is not fun uh for two reasons one that's not a lot of energy but two it, there's something called the glycogen reward hypothesis which basically states that 
when you are in a, a calorie deficit or when you're off in fat loss, our brains will hunt things that essentially, um, this isn't proven, but from my experience, I'd say it was a fairly good point. Um, where essentially we will hunt things that cost us less energy to get than it does for us to consume it. So let's take Haribo, right? If I walk down the stairs and I've got some in the cupboard, if I walk down the stairs now and I just whip my hand into the cupboard and I whop them in my mouth, that glycogen is straight into my bloodstream and it's cost me the energy to go downstairs and get it. However, if I were to want to cook myself a rice dish, which takes 15 minutes, plus some chicken, which takes 25 minutes, think of the difference there. My brain isn't going to go downstairs and go, let's get some rice and chicken. It's a great idea. It's going, let's get the Haribo. So it's very much an out of sight, out of mind thing. The, if you eat those kinds of foods when you are really hungry, unfortunately, the chances are you're going to go hunting for those foods more often because your brain goes, this was great. I felt amazing for eating it. And now I want some more. So giving that advice to somebody who's struggling with fat loss, saying you should eat chocolate every day because it's good for your balance and flexibility, you're actually making their life a misery. Um, because for them, they're like, right, well, I've got to get my 200 calories into my fucking porridge. And now I, all I can think of is eating more chocolate. And then people are like, I've seen this on comment sections where they're like, oh, I eat chocolate and I get loads of cravings. And they're like, oh, don't worry, hon, just eat some more. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how this is going to help you. Like actually eating less as much as it sounds bad because people would say, oh, it's restrictive. It's actually not. It, it's just you choosing your goal at this point. And this is where I get a little bit of a, a kickback because if you invited me out for lunch and I said, oh, sorry, I'm working, I can't come out for lunch. Am I being restrictive on my social life or am I prioritizing the thing I need to do on the day? Because nobody just leaves work to go and have lunch, right? So people see their goals and it's so misled where they're like, oh, my friend invited me out for dinner and dessert, so I had to go and have it. No, you didn't. You chose to go and have it. And this is where it's like, if you choose your goals, you're made to feel bad and like it's restrictive. But if you choose work, that's very normal. That's okay. Oh, they had to work. It's all right. So yeah, I, I get some kickback for that, but I stand by it. And each person's different. I have clients who probably listen to this going, I eat chocolate every day. And he's not said that to me. And that's probably because you're doing just fine and it's not a problem. Um, but then there are other people who I would be like, I think this needs to take a back seat now because that's why we're struggling. And if it works, brilliant. If it doesn't, we can change it. Yeah, and I, I think there's something to be said for, you know, when you're entering a fat loss phase, not being too aggressive and too restrictive because it can lead to kind of binges further down the line, which is why I understand some people say if you just have, you know, a few squares of chocolate, it can kind of keep you going and you're less likely to binge if that's something that you've done in the past. But on the other hand, if I take my mum, for instance, she can't have just two biscuits. Yeah. So she just doesn't have it in the house. She doesn't like it. It's frustrating for me when I go visit home. So I'm like, oh, I want some tea and biscuits, mom. And she's like, nope, nope. Because for her, that's how she has achieved her fat loss goals in the past is just avoiding, yeah. you know, consuming those really Moorish foods that she knows she doesn't have much willpower over. So I understand that you need to be honest with people. Probably saving your calories for chocolate isn't as good as saving your calories for protein and things that are going to help you achieve those goals something else kind of contradictory to what we've just said I guess but rather than cutting things out your diet you should add things in yes so the thing that most people do is they'll do a little diet analysis and they'll go right 
I'm not eating that anymore. I'm not eating that anymore. And I'm not drinking that anymore. So essentially what they've left themselves with is sod all <laughs> because they essentially do the little diet analysis where they decide that everything they eat is terrible and then they shouldn't eat those things anymore. Um, but what that does is it leaves you very, very hungry. Uh, and then what happens is all the things you've decided not to eat anymore, chances are they're still in your cupboard. Uh, and what you'll do is you'll make a nice little party of all of those things and try and eat them all at the same time because you get so hungry uh, that essentially you you just the dam breaks. So the thing to do, um, and this is exactly what I've been doing at the moment, because um, I've obviously gone through my recovery now for my surgery, uh, my latest surgery, and I'm now looking to try and build my physique back up again. The first thing I did this week was I said, right, what am I lacking? And I thought, right, well, for lunch, I've been having like a chicken sandwich. So actually, I'm lacking some veg or some some volume there. So the first thing I've done is gone, right, I'm going to add some volume. So I added a salad. So now I had a chicken sandwich and salad. Um to add some volume so i'm immediately fuller so then in the afternoon when i was having a bag of sweets because i could i'm no longer having that bag of sweets because i don't need them anymore i'm not hungry i've already had more food during lunch and then for dinner for example if you were having simple thing like let's just say you'd made yourself um fajitas for example and you were having them with a wrap right you could say yourself well it's not very filling the wrap and i end up having like three wraps with the filling instead what you could do and this is what i do is have the fajita mix and then have it with something else so for example one of the things i like to do is make a nice salad bowl put my fajita mix on top of it and um have some cheese for example um or you can have it with this is a bit rogue but i really like it with mashed potato um it's just a really nice thing and my and white potato is really filling so uh it's a good choice um maybe save that one for a little later in the diet but looking at things like breakfast if you're just having cereal why don't you either a swap out the cereal for something that's more voluminous so say you could have yogurt with um, fruit berries one the yogurt's going to have protein in it so it's serving that goal a little bit but two it's a much bigger meal it takes you longer to eat it it's going to be more filling it's more satiating which means you're going to be able to last for longer and so what you've done is you've gone right i've eaten the same amount of calories maybe let's say, but the amount of food is tripled because of the the sources of those calories. So typically what I would recommend people do is they look at the diet. Don't go, right, I'm just going to bin off all of these things. You say, right, how do I get more single ingredient high fiber foods into my diet? Because the minute you do that, your fullness will go up and your need for those like sweets, crisps, things like that will drop. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, I've just saved myself 250 calories on a massive bag of crisps I have each day. If you take those 250 calories and you have a pile of vegetables that's 250 calories, I'll tell you what, you'll be so full. And if your diet, you know, if your goal is fat loss and that's the aim, feeling full is a pretty nice feeling because obviously um, you're you're hungry most of the other time. So it's kind of how that works. Yeah. And I guess it sounds quite contrary to what most people would believe in terms of if I'm in a fat loss phase, I need to eat less. I need to cut out you know, everywhere I can to try and stay within that calorie restriction. But actually, yeah, if you can be a bit smarter with the way you're eating, then you can actually enjoy that diet phase a little bit more, as you say, stay fuller. No one likes being hungry all the time. So I think that's really sage advice for people who are kind of embarking on that journey. Yeah. It's also contrary to what everyone's always told. So, you know, if, like you say, so when I say to my my clients, like, right, we're going to try and make the diet that you're currently consuming much bigger. They're like, but I need to lose fat. I'm like, I know. But if we do that, you're going to be able to be more consistent with it. And what's interesting is that for a lot of people, 
they don't realize how many calories they're eating because they eat snacks. So one of the things I see in a lot of people, they're like, I don't really eat much. Like I just kind of have a bit here and there, but that bit here and there is like five biscuits, a bag of crisps. And if you actually put all of that food in front of them, you can almost guarantee that person will go, I don't eat all that in a day. That's not what I eat in a day. I always think about the show um, Super Size versus Super Skinny. Do you remember when they used to, um, you ever watched it? I actually haven't. Oh, they, so they'd get someone who was really underweight and someone who was overweight and they'd look at their diets and they would have these massive glass cylinder tubes and they would put all of their food in. And it was kind of grotesque, but at the same time, you know, it opens your eyes to where all that other food is coming from. And to, like just to emphasize that this is if you're in a diet phase, obviously, yes. then yeah, being smarter with the way that you're eating, I think is is important. Yeah. It's actually a good thing for health, to be honest, though. Like, yes, for a diet phase, that's a really good idea. But actually, just for general health, if you're finding that you're eating a lot of snacks, you're probably not eating a lot of single ingredient high fiber foods. And they're the things that are actually going to be most healthy for you. Um, The reason we talk about it in fat loss is that most people who are trying to lose weight try and eat less, but they end up eating higher calorie foods because they are eating less. So the key is to even if you're not, you know, if your, your goal is just maintenance and you want to eat healthily, Go down the line of high fiber, single ingredient foods. It'll fill you up. It's 99% of them are very good for you. So um, yeah, I would look at that as a general health rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Um, we've spoken about a lot today in terms of women's fitness journeys and you know how to train and eat optimally. But is there anything you think we've kind of missed from the conversation that you would want to explain to people? I think that the, the the main key in all of this is that, and it's exactly the way that we work, is take the pressure away from nutrition. I know a lot of what we've discussed is nutritional based, but that's because that's where the majority of your pressures will lie. Like if you look at any of the social, assuming I'm talking to women here, if you look at any of the social pressures you've been under, all of them will be body weight related. They'll be carbohydrate related. They'll be calorie related. They'll be portion size related. And they will also relate to the values that you hold as an individual, because that's how our generation has been brought up you shouldn't eat that if you want to look good you don't want to be eating that like these are all pressures that you've been under none of these have been positive pressures so if there's anything i've learned from all of this and this is the things like we have um in our in our team hub we have a a list of values so the jlx values and they're the things that i want all of our team to live by um and they're things like we don't earn and we don't burn so we don't earn the calories to go to eat loads we don't burn calories i.e we don't go to the gym because we just had a big meal that kind of stuff um but it's also things like what positive attributes can we have and training is such a positive attribute like growing up as a female you probably didn't have anyone in your life who was going go to the gym and grow some muscle it'll be wicked in fact you probably had the complete opposite where they were saying you're gonna look like a bloke don't do that or you don't look too bulky or you don't look too this but actually a gym is really empowering way to actually take control nutrition is something that will always be something that society will lean on because it's a power point it's a it's a it's a pain point for people and so news magazines will get a huge rise social media will get a huge rise but if any of my team are listening to this you'll know this very very well the thing we focus on is training go and be a beast like go and throw the kitchen sink at your sessions you'll feel stronger you'll feel more confident you'll feel more empowered i know that's a bit of a trigger word at the moment but you will feel all the things that you think you will feel from losing weight in just going to the gym and lifting or being stronger like that so if, if i could give if i had a daughter someone asked me this question the other day if i had a daughter what would i want them to do 
I would put so little, I, I wouldn't even talk about nutrition with them. I would lead by example. I I would eat my single ingredient, high fiber foods. I'd eat a lot of protein, those kinds of things. I wouldn't, I'd let them eat whatever they want. If they want to eat sweets, have at it. Like there's no reason to put labels on things. The thing I would instill on them is I would try and get my, my daughter to do pull-ups on the monkey bars. I would try and help her to do the things that she looks at boys doing and being like, oh, that's a boy thing. Hell no. Like this is a human thing. Let's be humans and let's go hunt these things. Because actually, if I've learned anything from all the women I've worked with, the thing that empowers them the most is when they look around the gym and they're like, shit, I'm lifting the most of anyone here. And it's not about comparison. It's about self uh, kind of proclaimed journey. It's like, I remember when I was the one who walked into the corner and just kind of lifted a couple of kilos and was like, shit, this is scary. I'm going. And now I'm the one who's taking up space. I'm the one who people are coming up to and saying, oh, do you have many sets left? And you're like, yeah, I do. I've got three. You're going to have to wait, mate. Sorry. You know, it's not that, oh, shit, I'm done when you're not done. Those kinds of things. And this might sound like a real long way away for some of you, but you'll get there and just keep your focus on the training and then use your nutrition to support that because the training is what will help you the most. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And it's not just a man's game. It can seem like it when some gyms are quite male dominated, but I think it's so important for women to realize that they can, you know, do hard shit as well. And spoken about nutrition, but I think the training and nutrition come hand in hand. You know, if you're pushing yourself physically and you're starting to see a bit of definition here, a bit of glute growth, you think, oh, I want to eat good so I can see this progress, so I can feel energized in the gym and outside of the gym. What I went through, it's a different story, but a period of restriction as a teenager, because, yeah, I thought that you know, being the smallest version of myself would be the happiest version, whereas it was completely the opposite. And I think that it's so empowering for women to kind of be told that, yeah, you can you can train hard and you can push yourself beyond your own limiting beliefs. And I like that message a lot. 100%. I'll share one last thing, uh, if I can. I had a client once um, when I was working in person and I was very, the the gym I used to work in, huge, huge gym. And the downstairs area was very male dominated, very big weightlifting, as in like Olympic kind of powerlifting, weightlifting area. And I was very conscious when I took people down there. I know I said at the start, I wasn't, and I wasn't, I was completely oblivious. I just thought everyone should just lift weights. It'd be so much better for you. (laughs) Um, But I obviously developed a better understanding of these things as time went by. And um I went down there with a, a lady called Finan, and I'll remember this for the rest of my life. And I get down there, she's looking around. And I said, are you okay? Um, you know, I was conscious that she was feeling a bit nervous. She said, I'm fine. And I was, she's like, why? And I said, well, some people get nervous coming down here. And she went, I don't know why. Just out of the blue, she went, I'd be nervous if I was him. She said, uh, because I'm down here. I'm I'm just here. You know, she's very petite. She said, "I um, nobody expects anything of me. So whatever I do down here, is great. I'm happy to be here. She said, but he looks huge and that's a tiny barbell. <laughs> and honestly, it was the funniest moment ever. She was just like, I don't feel no pressure, but I'd feel terrible if I was him. <laughs> Absolutely broke me because I was like, that's hilarious. Um, but um, but yeah, it was just uh, one of the funnier times I've remembered from from those kinds of experiences. So remember, if you are going into the weight section, there's no pressure. Look at the biggest guy and look at the size of the barbell he's lifting because it's probably not that big. <laughs> That's true. I think we should all carry a little bit of our confidence through <laughs> next time we go to the gym. So thank you so much for talking to me today. I really do admire your approach to fitness and 
just in particular, I think your attitudes towards it and how, you know, it's it's a very selfless thing to want to kind of coach women and help them through their own fitness journeys and help them to become the healthiest, happiest version of themselves, which is kind of what this podcast is about. So thank you very much. Um, where can people go if they want to find you, inquire about coaching? uh the gram is probably the best place uh we have like an email list and stuff like that but but to be honest um if you don't like my instagram you're probably not gonna like my emails so <laughs> i would check out my instagram um it's just xander x-a-n-d-e-r underscore jlx um we've also got a team page but it's basically the same as mine so um if you've got any questions or anything um then i'm always happy to answer them so i'm always on instagram so if anybody has any questions please let me know perfect we'll link it all in the show notes Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Zander, and I hope you take some important lessons away as well. Have an amazing week, and I'll see you next time for another exciting episode. Bye for now. <laughs>